Hello, welcome back. Episode 26. It's been a hot minute, but we are back in action. Today we are going to talk about ADHD and eating habits. This is such a broad topic and something that so many neurodivergent people struggle with. So what I want I'm just going to go through all of it today. I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to share my experience and how I have managed or how I get back on track with my eating habits. So we have a lot of issues that kind of mess us up in the kitchen. So I'm going to try to work through those one by one and you take whatever works for you. First, we have our time blindness. So we never know what time it is. Time is an emotion in neurodivergent land. It can be, it can seem, an hour can seem like 10 seconds or an hour can seem like four days. I know that that's true for everyone, but this is every day for us, every day. If we get stuck in a hyper focus, hours can go by and we don't realize it. You ever have that where you have an appointment at four o'clock and you can't do anything all day because you're stuck in like, I don't want to miss that appointment. Yep. That's definitely a neurospicy thing. Uh, so the time blindness messes us up with specifically, if we are being productive, we will not stop what we're doing to eat because we know that if we stop doing the project or the productivity or whatever we're doing and we go eat, it's like starting all over. We have to talk our brain into starting the project all over like we're starting from scratch. So personally, when I was a marketer, I would skip meals and I feel like I generally ran this way. My dad is still this way. He does not eat all day until like five o'clock and then he eats dinner and he doesn't stop eating until he goes to bed. And I was very much like that. I would start my day with caffeine. Caffeine is lifeline for ADHD and neurodivergent people. Um, we also can have caffeine and then go right to sleep. It does not affect us like the norm. So I would have coffee in the morning. I would reheat and reheat my coffee and lose it in the microwave probably about two times a day. And... Then I would have some kind of a meal bar or something for lunch because I knew if I stopped, sat down to eat, what is our like arch nemesis? The couch, sitting down. Once we sit down, it's like game over. It is so hard to get back up and do the things. I'm standing right now. Most of the time I am standing when I do the things because sitting down sends the message to my brain that we're done and we're usually not done. We don't pause and reboot like a neurotypical brain. So <laughs> I would have a little snack because if I sat down, also the food that I used to eat was very carb heavy. And carbs, my mom used to say that I would go into a carb-induced coma. That <laughs> I love carbs. Who doesn't love carbs, right? They give us fast energy sometimes, but too much of them will straight put us to sleep. So if I ate a big lunch or a normal size lunch, I would be tired after. And then I couldn't go back out and market. I couldn't build up that energy, my superpower, my drive, right? It was really hard. So in my old life, my former life, as I call it, I used to go all day 
basically eating nothing and then I would eat a normal balanced dinner. And I thought, I'm healthy, right? Like we're eating vegetables at dinner, we have a balanced dinner, protein, carb, veggies. And the problem was I had just started my appetite. Like I had just kicked off my metabolism at like five o'clock. So then my body was still hungry. It wanted all three meals. So then I would eat dinner, but I would still be hungry. So then I would snack and then I would keep snacking and I would snack until about bedtime. And then at this time I was going to the gym for hours and it was a vicious cycle. I want to say that this was unhealthy, but at the time it was the best that I could do. So I want to reinforce that you are not wrong. You are not broken. We just need guidance and routines are life. Routines are life for ADHD individuals because we get into that routine. My routine was coffee for breakfast, snack bar for lunch, dinner, and then continue eating. Did you know that you also get dopamine from eating, snacking, and snacking can also be like stimming? Yeah. So for those snackers out there that just kind of snack all day long, I get that too. So this ties in with the avoidance. Like we can avoid shit like a motherfucker (laughs) because we know what it's like to stop one task and start another. We do it all the time. The problem is coming back to the original task. So if I am working on a project and I'm hungry, if I have to spend too much time in my kitchen, it's game over. So something that I have learned, the most crucial things that I have learned is I get two steps in the kitchen. And I've said this before. I get two steps in the kitchen. I can grab and eat or I can grab and reheat. If I have to spend more than two steps, I get distracted, I get lost, (laughs) and it's really hard to even get back to eating. So imagine this, right? I go into my kitchen and there's nothing prepped in the fridge, so I have to make food. Now, several issues come into play here. One, my non-working verbal memory. Let me run through this real quick with you. My husband goes into the kitchen, who is a neurotypical, and he says, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. His brain instantly sees a picture of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich made, and he can grab all the tools he needs. So he gets a plate, he gets bread, peanut butter, jelly, a knife. I walk in the kitchen, and I'm like, oh, I would like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. There's no picture. There's no picture of done. This is a big issue for us. We struggle to see what done looks like in so many things, like almost everything. Our non-working verbal memory is not so great for the neurospicy individual. So we can't see what that peanut butter and jelly sandwich looks like, so we struggle with every single step. My brain doesn't automatically grab all the things. First, it's like, okay, well, I need peanut butter because peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I grab the peanut butter and then maybe I'll grab the bread and then I get the jelly. And then when I go to get 
a knife or a plate, well, then the counters are dirty or the dishwasher needs unloaded or the dishwasher needs loaded. And now I'm doing other tasks in the kitchen. I'm cleaning my kitchen. I went in there for a sandwich and I'm cleaning my kitchen. And then there's stuff in my kitchen that needs put away somewhere else. So I take it into the other room and game over. I'm not coming back to make that sandwich. <laughs> like, does this sound familiar? This is a pattern that we fall into all the time. So I know I can get lost in my kitchen and my kitchen is hardly ever spotless. So every time I go into the kitchen, there's something to clean, there's something to tidy. I am so visually distracted that I get lost on my steps because there's no picture of done here. All I see is what's in front of me. So when I go into the kitchen to make a snack, to make food, all I see is the mess. I know I went in there for food, but I get stuck in the cleaning up. I get stuck in what visually distracts me and what visually needs done, not my needs. Hi, <laughs> who can relate in getting stuck on what is visually in front of you versus your needs? And I know this sounds ridiculous. My husband would be like, really? But you came in there to make a sandwich. I know, I know. So this is what I have learned. Food prep is a must, a must, because I literally only get two steps. I can grab and eat or I can grab and reheat. So when the groceries come in and I'm already in that visually put the food away mode, I cut up, I prep, I put it into clear jars. My clear jars are another tip that I highly recommend because I can visually see. The reason why we buy all kinds of produce and veggies and fruit and all that stuff in the produce section in the store is because it looks appealing to us when it's out and beautiful and colorful. But then you bring it home in a bag and you shove it in the back of a drawer in your fridge and it doesn't look appealing anymore. And the next time you grab it out, it's rotten. Do this a couple times and then we get sick of the process and we don't even buy the healthy food. So I prep my produce, my produce, my fruit, I prep my veggies, I put them in a clear jar. When we cook our food, we usually cook extra and have it for leftovers. I never make lunch. If there is no leftovers in the fridge, I'm probably not eating lunch. Mark knows this. He'll come up at like three o'clock and I'll be a little hangry and he's like, what, what, what's going on? I'll be like, there's no food to eat. There is plenty of food in our house. There is plenty of food in our house, in our pantry, in our fridge. There is not made and ready food because I can grab and eat or I can grab and reheat. And that's it. That's all I get in the kitchen. So I take an hour or maybe when we cook dinner, we cook two meals or on a Sunday night, we prep a couple things for the week. Those are our lunches. I've done it several ways. We have done meal prep on Sunday where we actually cook food and we have food for the week. And we have also done it where we just make big dinners and that's the leftovers for lunch the next day. If you struggle with leftovers or reheating your food, I don't know what to tell you. Prep things, prep your produce, prep fresh stuff, but or get easy things that aren't incredibly processed. Because let me tell you this, 
Neurospicy individuals are also way more affected by our food than the neurotypical. Food dyes, gluten. I can't tell you how many adults I know that have given up gluten or dairy that are neurodivergent just because it bothers, bothers their digestive system. We do not process shit the same as a neurotypical. Food dyes are extra toxic for us. They're not great for anybody, but they are even worse for a neurospicy individual. So, one of the reasons that I do a cleanse or a reset, I am currently doing a three-week vegan reset right now. We are currently phasing out animal products and dairy. We are in week one. One of the reasons why I do these once a year, twice a year, is because they are so good at getting me back on a routine, a regimented eating plan. It's not so much, I mean, yes, what I'm eating is important, but the most important value that I get out of these things is getting me back on a schedule. Breakfast in the morning. Imagine that, your first meal of the day in the morning. Who would have thought? But there's so many neurodivergent people out there that don't eat until lunch. Because we run off of our energy. We usually start our day with caffeine and that's enough for us. Food is stopping, food is pausing, food sometimes will make us tired and we know that. It only takes so many times before our brain catches on even if we aren't conscious of what's happening. So going on a regimented meal plan is so beneficial for me even if it's three days because it gets me back on track on I eat at this time, I wait a couple hours, I eat, again, I wait a couple hours, I eat again, I wait a couple hours, I eat again. And when the meal plans are already thought out for you, I can plan ahead. I already have veggies diced for our salad, so all I have to do is put lettuce in a bowl, dump in my veggies, add dressing. I can handle that. But if I had to chop all of my veggies, get all of my lettuce, make the dressing, ain't no way, no way. I'm not doing it. I'm skipping it. (laughs) So planning and prepping is so important because you need to eat. Food is fuel, especially for us because once we run out of it, we run out of it. And then what happens when we run out of food, fuel, and we can't do the things is then we go up here. We go into our mind and we start beating ourselves up. Why can't I just do X, Y, Z? Why can't I just make myself do this? Because we're not taking care of ourselves. I I work with so many neurodivergent women that want to lose weight, that want to get healthier, and they think the secret is exercise. And exercise is helpful. It's a stress reducer. It's great for you. It It is never bad but it's not the game changer. The game changer is your nutrition. And most of the neurodivergent women that I start working with are really struggling because they have just gone off of how they feel. And 
I have a sign in my kitchen, a hangry sign, a hangry sign. When you are so hungry that you're angry, because that's how it goes for me. Usually when I'm not on plan, when I'm not on a regimented plan, by the time my ass gets to the kitchen, I'm hangry. That's why I only have two steps. It's not just that I get distracted in what else is in my kitchen. It's that I am so hungry. I need food right now. And so I only have time for two steps. Grab and eat, grab and reheat. Even sometimes when I grab and reheat, I will leave it in the microwave. I will forget about it. I will still get distracted sometimes on two damn steps. (laughs) So creating habits, creating routines. And honestly, I'm a creature of habit. I am boring when it comes to my nutrition. Mark would love to cook all these delicious new meals and try all these crazy things. And I'm like, I'll take the same thing four times a week, please. I'll take the same two meals all week long. We have safe foods. If this is a new term for you, it might blow your mind. Tacos are a safe food for me and probably some processed stuff, but either made or in a package, we have some foods that we could eat every day, forever and ever until we get sick of them and then we never want to eat them again. That also happens. My One of my ADHD meals is shrimp broccoli pasta. My daughter loves it, which is totally a win. Here is why it was an ADHD meal for me. Because I can cook it all at the same time, and the process is me standing at the stove cooking it the entire time. I don't leave the area. I boil the water, I put the water on, I boil the water while I'm getting my stuff ready. I thaw my shrimp, you can also do it with chicken, and I get the broccoli out of the freezer. So I put the broccoli in the microwave, I put the shrimp in the frying pan with Italian dressing, garlic, and lemon pepper, that's it. And I cook the shrimp while the noodles are cooking and the broccoli is cooking. Everything is cooking at once. Then I drain the noodles and I add the shrimp with the sauce into the noodles and I dump the broccoli in and now it's a one pot dinner but my ass didn't leave the stove the whole time. And that's why it is a good ADHD meal. It is carbs, it is veggies, it is carbs and protein, but it's simple, it's easy, and it still feels like a comfort food. But the reason why I made it so many times, like before I was, when I lived alone, I made this all the time because I can also reheat it for leftovers and it still tastes good. Maybe you have a meal like that. Maybe you have a meal that you make that is easy for you to make, easy for you to eat, and you could eat it every week. There is nothing wrong with eating the same stuff if it works for you, if it is also good fuel. Now, I'm not gonna be here and be like, there are good food and bad food. Whole foods are better for you. If it's processed, it's not great. (laughs) 
And if it has food coloring in it, it's really not great. But I'm not here to harp about that. I'm not here to harp about what kind of food you're eating. I am trying to help you eat food. <laughs> That's it. I am trying to help you eat regular meals throughout the day. Because neurodivergent people are also 87% more likely to develop an addiction, and this includes eating disorders. And we're really prone for eating disorders because our eating habits are usually not regimented. Because they go based on our energy, how we're feeling, or we avoid them because we're being productive here, and then we're too hungry, and then nothing works, and then sometimes you even pass the hunger stage, and you keep working. Oh, and then we often think the answer is just more caffeine. More caffeine fixes everything, right? <laughs> I It's currently five days here without any caffeine. I have no caffeine, and I'm recording my first podcast in 15 months. So I'm feeling pretty darn good, and I can tell that it's because I am fueling my body with so much food, but good, healthy, whole food, and I'm doing it in a timely manner. I had my breakfast at nine, which is earlier than I usually ever eat real food. One of the reasons why I love my superfood shake, one of the reasons that it was such a game changer for me, I did not want to pay, I'm tell you right now, I did not want to pay $100 for a shake a month. I was like, no, I am cheap, I am frugal, I, I'm sure there's something else out there, and I'm not even a breakfast person. Here's why I'm still drinking that damn shake 10 years later, is one, I was a new nursing mom when I started, and so talk about total chaos and time blindness and avoidance and like all the things. I didn't get, I didn't get time to mess around in the kitchen, and I very much pushed my needs to the back burner for the needs that were in front of me, which is a very big thing too, right? But I could make it in under 60 seconds. I could drink it with one hand while still wrangling or holding a baby. I could take it on the go. And it was actually something that I could consume in the morning. It has taken years, a decade, uh, before I can actually eat real food in the morning. And honestly, when I'm done with this reset, I will probably go back to my shake for breakfast because it is so easy for me. It is easy for me. It is a habit and a routine that I can do. I can follow. That works for me. So I love my shake because I can make it quickly and for a really, really, really long time, it was the only thing that I could eat before like noon. I got sick if I actually tried to eat food. Breakfast food, forget it in the morning. Like I could have breakfast for dinner, maybe breakfast for lunch, but in no way do I want to eat breakfast in the morning. Some mornings when Mark makes like breakfast for the kids and like I can smell bacon in the morning, it makes me sick. Like I don't like food in the morning. It's just how my body is, but I need fuel and I need to start that metabolism and so do you. So you need to eat something in the morning and then once you eat, do you ever notice that if you go all day without eating that first time you eat, well now you're hungry and it's like, if you wait too long, then it's like playing catch up. So I would start eating at like 
two, three. And then I like wouldn't stop eating until I went to bed. So let's talk about binge eating now, which plays a role in this, right? Is that, and even for the longest time before body, before I understood nutrition, my sister, she went to school for exercise physiology and I was a human yo-yo with my weight up, down all the time. And so she would send me things to try to help me. And it was always something like, you need to eat between 12 to 1500 calories. And I was like, piece of cake. Because I didn't eat all day. I didn't eat all day. So by the time I ate dinner, I could eat whatever I wanted. I could eat whatever I wanted for dinner and after dinner. And I still would barely hit that 12 to 1500 calorie mark. I share this because this is not a healthy thing, but it is an accurate thing. And it is a thing that a lot of people do. So, also the food we eat. I know we tend to gravitate towards carbs and here's why, here's why. When you go into your kitchen, first you open the fridge. Oh, how many times have we opened our fridge 75 times a day thinking that something will magically appear made in there and we can eat it because all we see is steps. All we see in our fridge when we open it up is process. Oh, well, I got to I don't I got to make that into something. I got to clean that. I got to cut that. I got to put all these things together to make this. Like forget it. So then what do we do? We close the fridge and we open the pantry. And guess what? There's shit ready to eat in there. Oh yeah, crackers, chips. Like, oh, I can just grab that and shove it in my mouth. Perfect. That's what I need right now. Anybody relating? That's what it was for me. And so I know that having food prepped, at least something, even if it's not a meal, something, because you got to get something into your system to keep the energy going. Because if you get into your fridge and you're hangry, you only have so much time before you're going to crash. And so that usually ends in some kind of sugar, some kind of chocolate, some kind of carb, because they give us quick energy. You get dopamine from eating. So for some of us, we're always looking for the dopamine. We chase the dopamine. So when we start eating, we can't stop because it's giving us something that we want, even if ultimately it's making us feel bad. I'm not saying binge eating and eating disorders are strictly for neurodivergent people, but they are more susceptible. So healthy habits, habits in the kitchen, prepping, planning ahead. I know that we don't love this stuff, but once you start doing it, it makes the rest of your week so much easier. It is so much easier to get through the week if you spend one hour on the weekend planning and prepping some food. Because when I plan, when I have a plan for the week, it's not a free, free for all, right? Some people like free for all, some people don't. When it comes to my food, it's never a good idea to free ball it. <laughs> because I'm gonna end up with whatever I can get into my mouth the fastest. 
And if there's nothing healthy waiting for me in my fridge, it's carbs, it's sugar, it's crap. And maybe it gives you a boost of energy, but then you crash. And now you go back for the same thing. How many times do you eat carbs in your pantry and then end up there again an hour or two hours later? Because it didn't actually fill you up. If you're in your 40s, you need way more protein. Way more protein. Protein in every single meal. Hell, you should start in your 30s. (laughs) Every single meal should have protein. I know that the common belief is probably vegetables. And while vegetables are great, you need protein. So if you're just eating a bunch of carbs... I mean, there was literally a couple years where I told my mom in middle school that I was a vegetarian. I wasn't really big on red meat. I could take or leave chicken, but I loved carbs, like loved carbs. And so like Subway, I was obsessed with the veggie hoagie. I was like, I don't get it. It's just bread, cheese, and veggies. And I'm like, I know, it's amazing. Like pastas, like just give it give it all to me and of course you know 30 something years old now I can't have gluten anymore so it's probably for my benefit probably for my benefit on that Barilla gluten-free pasta is the best you can even reheat it it is so good so getting into the habit of eating every couple hours even if it's a little bit to keep that energy up is so helpful And the more natural foods you can put into your body, the better energy you're going to have. But it doesn't just happen because as you know, you don't just walk into your kitchen and shit isn't just prepped and prepared in there. You have to make that effort. But knowing why is half the battle. Knowing that you get distracted in your kitchen and you can only make it two steps is half the battle. Awareness is always step one. Awareness is always step one. If you want to make a change, if you want to get better at something, anything in your life, I don't care what it is, awareness is step one. You must become aware of where the struggles are, why you're struggling, and how, and then what would help. Stay focused on the goal. I tell my clients this all the time. The goal never changes. The plan can change. You can adjust the plan or change the plan, like change your meals, change your hat, like change the way you prep. But the goal is to always have food that you can grab and eat or grab and reheat. So whether that's prepping once a week, prepping twice a week, or just making extra food to have for leftovers, whatever it is, do not set yourself up for failure Walking into a kitchen where you have to take 17 steps to feed yourself, you won't do it. I love you, but you won't do it. Especially if you wait until you're hungry or hangry before you walk into that kitchen. I have like five minutes. (laughs) That's it. I get five minutes. And I either get something or I struggle through or I make a bad choice. So, I'm happy to help if you need help. This was way more for education and awareness than 
to get anybody to join me, but I do have the tools. They have helped me. I have come a long way. And I am always willing to share those with anyone who need them. So for me, it was understanding nutrition. I was a chronic under eater. And most of my neurodivergent clients are under eaters. They don't eat nearly enough food. Most of the people, when they get on one of our plans and you actually measure out your food in these containers, without a doubt, first of all, when people see the containers, they're like, I'm going to starve. And I was like, um, no, just you wait, just you wait. And then as soon as their stuff comes and they start to actually prep and think about it, they're like, I'm never going to be able to eat all this food. I'm like, right? It's a lot of food. When you actually see how much food you should be eating in a day, it's way more than what you are eating. But this is very important. It is more of the right foods. I was overeating on carbs and under eating on fruits and veggies and protein. And that's not going to get you anywhere good. It's not going to help with your energy. And so much of what we do is based on our energy. I can't force myself to do something when I have no energy. It ain't happening. My brain needs energy to do the shit. I, it's, everything is self-motivated. Everything is self-done in a neurodivergent brain. We don't just check the boxes. We got to make ourselves do every single one. And if you run out of energy or you don't have enough energy or you're not eating enough, you're going to struggle. And then what happens when you struggle? You start tearing yourself apart. We play the shame game. We play the blame game. We say anything to ourselves to get us low enough that we will scrape ourselves up from the bottom and make ourselves do it. So we either do it from a good place or we go through all the steps in our brain to get us to the worst place possible to where we will scrape ourselves off the bottom and do it again. This is like, (laughs) that's the hamster wheel that I wanted off of when I went for my ADHD eval, when I went to get meds. That was the hamster wheel that I wanted off of is I can do the things if I'm feeling good, but then if I'm not, I had to go through like seven steps of malicious motivation to finally get to the point where I felt like it's do or die. Because at that point, I will always rise. But life doesn't have to be that way. This is food for crying out loud. We can feed ourselves without thinking we're the scum of the earth. And I know that may sound crazy for somebody who's not neurodivergent, but if you are, you get it. How many times have you let yourself get so low that you have to pick yourself up to do the things? Because then it's necessary. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy the cycle that we go through in our brains. So anyways... My biggest things, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Set yourself up for success 
not failure. Take one hour a weekend and think about what do I have ready for myself? What are my, What is my plan for lunch? Am I doing leftovers for dinner? Am I ordering out lunch? And if you are ordering out, how many servings of carbs do you have in your lunch? If it's more than one, you're probably going to put yourself into a nap or a carb-induced coma state in the afternoon. And that's usually why you probably avoid your food. It was for me. Because when I was working out of the house, I would either skip meals or I would have something for lunch that made me tired. And I feel like I've got this great get up and go, right? I can, I'm like, if I'm going, I'm going and I'm going to go until I burn out because we don't waste any dopamine or efficiency, whatever. Like if we are burning the tank, we are burning out the whole tank. And I think that's the problem. We burn out the whole tank and then we don't have anything to eat or we eat crap and it only partially fills our tank and then we keep eating crap to just keep us above empty. I'm not even going to get started on us driving on empty in the, in the car with gas, but it's the same thing with our bodies. And the last thing I'm going to say is about a cleanse. I had never done a cleanse before body Because even though, even though I was not great at eating, I was not about starving myself. I was not about a liquid diet. I I need food. I need real food. (laughs) Or I get hangry, even if I wasn't great at eating it. I knew that. I was not willing to give up food ever, ever, ever. So one thing that I like about these cleanses is that you get food every couple hours. And for me, that was actually eating more than what I was used to. Even if the meals were smaller, I was eating more often than I ever had before. So when I get really off my eating habits, I always bring it back to a cleanse. Not only that, but we don't have any problem taking our car to get our oil changed once, twice a year, because we know if we don't, Our car might blow up, our car might stop running, and then how do we get from A to B? Yet, we don't show that same courtesy to our bodies. We are constantly taking in toxins and things from the products we use, the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the food we eat. And if you have never done a cleanse, all of that is just still inside. It's like an oil change for your body so you can run more efficiently. And here's the last thing that I'm going to say to you. Your gut is your second brain. What you put into your body, what you put into your mouth goes down into your stomach. And your stomach is your backup brain and they connect to each other nonstop. They are the most powerful duo that you have in your body. And if you are feeding yourself crap, That's what your brain is running off of. (sighs) Yes, a diagnosis, medical treatment, meds, that is all great. But you can do so much with just how you are fueling yourself. Paying attention to how the foods that you eat make you feel. Paying attention to how they affect your brain. This shit matters especially if you're a neurodivergent. 
because the two are connected. Your second brain. Don't you think we could use a backup sometimes, maybe? <laughs> like the first one doesn't work so efficiently sometimes. And then if your backup one is all gunked up and clogged up, well, yeah, you've got nothing to back you up. And if they're constantly fighting, they're not helping you. So, I hope this was helpful with anything, with the tips, with realizing how you are in the kitchen, with realizing where you get lost or thrown off in the kitchen. There are so many different ways that it can affect you. Being on this journey, taking a look at all of my healthy and unhealthy habits, has helped me. And I was doing so many of these things before I realized that I had ADHD. Once I had ADHD, then I understood why. Then I understood why I like clear jars. Then I understood why I need food prepped in the fridge. And then it made it a must because I realized I could work with my brain or against my brain. I've worked against my brain for 39 years. I never won. Never won. So this is how I win. That's it. That's all I have for you guys today. <laughs>